I also made the case for owning Bitcoin, the quintessence of scarcity premium. Scarcity premium. It's literally the only large tradable asset in the world that has a known fixed maximum supply by its design. The total quantity of Bitcoins cannot exceed 21 million. Bitcoin is the hardest money that has ever been invented. If you don't have my private key, you cannot spend my Bitcoin, period. And this is the power of Bitcoin. It's the first time we figured out how to create true property that you can take possession of with full custodial rights. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Talking of Bits, where we walk you through Bitcoin bit by bit so we can provide you with the information you need to succeed and persist. Back with another episode, and I'm really excited to have this episode. I got Keith Mukai. That's right, okay. That's right, yeah. All right, how's it going? It's good, it's good. Hey, I appreciate you. So for the listeners, I literally just met you this morning. That's right. <laughs> so I've actually, I followed you before this. So I must have seen something C-Tiner related, I'm yep. assuming. Something you were doing that I was interested in where I followed you. Um, so I did follow you and then I got to meet you this morning. And then I got to sit through your workshop, most of it today. And... Immediately afterwards, I was thinking, I got to get Keith on the show. <laughs> I mean, I have my gear here, had somebody rescheduled, which is fine. But I was like, I'll kick myself in the ass if I don't ask Keith to be on. And, <laughs> and here you are, man. Thanks for your time, man. Yeah, for sure. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. So, Keith, before we get into deeper about c Tiner and everything you got going on, um, let the listeners know a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got to where you're at right now. Yeah. So, a uh, professional programmer, got about 20 years of programming experience. And uh, found Bitcoin slowly in about 2017. Didn't understand or appreciate it for about two years. Uh, and then come 2019 or so, sold all my shit coins <laughs> and uh, went Bitcoin only. Nice. And uh, I, I started by contributing to the Spectre desktop wallet. Okay. Uh, I was one of the first contributors. And um, that's how I, like, I used it to learn how to build my own multisig. And like slowly at first, I was terrified I would screw it up. Sure. Um, but I was building the features into Spectre Desktop that I wanted, you know, just as a user. Right. While learning how to build a multi-sig and kind of think through how am I going to manage my keys and, you know, what are my backup plans and all that. Um, and then just over over the course of my, my Bitcoin journey, uh, let's see, 2021, got to meet Seed Signer the Man. Yeah. Uh, at the <laughs> Miami Con. I, I got to call him Seed Signer the Man because, well, first of all, he is the man. Okay. Right. He's, right. he's, he's an awesome <laughs> dude. Uh, but he's a NIM. Yeah. So it, it's always confusing because it's Seed Signer the Man created Seed Signer the Project. Yeah. Uh, See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I know Seed Signer the Project. Right. I didn't know it was actually Seed Signer the Man. That, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So the, the at Seed Signer account on Twitter, that's, yeah. that's his account. That's, that's, him. that's his, like, his personal account. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I, I met him in uh, Miami 2021. Okay. I'd, I'd seen the beginning stages of, of this open source Bitcoin hardware wallet project. Sure. Um, and just thought it was super cool. The, the whole idea is that you can buy off-the-shelf parts, uh, Raspberry Pi Zero, these commodity uh, display boards, and build a hardware wallet yourself and download the open source code and run it. So amazing. nobody knows that you've you haven't bought a, a hardware wallet, right? Yeah, You're not yeah. on like the ledger or the cold, uh, not, not cold card, ledger, uh, treasure, email list to get hacked. Yeah. Uh, and leaked, right? Yep. Um, Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Y- yeah. yeah. And, and and you've been able to build a, a Bitcoin hardware wallet. Yeah. Um, so I, I love the idea. And 
as soon as I got home from Miami, I pulled together the parts. I built a seed signer, started using it, loved it. Just loved the hell out of what he had, he had built. Right. And then I looked at the code and it's all Python. And that's, that's my, that's my jam. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm a Python <laughs> guy. I love writing Python. Uh, I started in C, C++, Java, Visual Basic, like all this stuff. And it was all misery until, until I got to Python. Yeah. So I'm looking at the Seed Center Python code and I just hated it. I hated it. Uh, Seed Center, the man, he'll, he'll tell you, he, he fully admits that he's yeah. not really a programmer. Yeah. Like he, he says he, he literally took a, a Udemy course yeah. on how to program Python. <laughs> and that's how he put together the first version of, of the Seed Center code, like yeah. just the, the proof of concept. So when you hated it, was it just like badly organized, non-functioning? What do you mean by hate? Um, well, and, and before I trash it too hard, yeah. I, I, I do have to give credit to the second contributor. His name is Nick. Okay. So he came in before me and he reorganized and rewrote a lot of the code and, and really professionalized a lot of it. Sure. So it was in extremely bad shape as a proof of concept. <laughs> and then Nick got it into like a much more mature uh, uh, state. Yeah. But Nick, even though he's a professional programmer, Python is not his main programming language. So now I come in as the third contributor and, you know, I'm looking at Nick's improvements, which were excellent. Yeah. But I still hated the code because it wasn't built in the way that a true Python project would be built. Like okay. there's just certain um, habits and patterns yep. that are common. You know, each, each programming languages, ling language has its own kind of unique um, pattern structures, habits. Sure. Uh, and so because Nick wasn't a Python guy, it was just missing a lot of that. And it's not just an aesthetic thing. It's that you have these certain habits that match with the language to make the entire code base easier to understand, more reusable, more portable, you know, all, all these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was just, <clears throat> it was the perfect match. I love the project. I love the idea. I hate the code. <laughs> I want to make the code better. And yeah. so there was just a, a you know, a, an opening for me to, to make a contribution. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just circle back a little bit. So before Bitcoin, what type of software development were you doing? Yeah, I, I, it was all uh, dot com startups. Okay, um, you know, usually like small projects where a founder would would have an idea for a business, sure, but they didn't have any uh, technical people that they knew, mm. and so you know, through just kind of through the grapevine, friends of friends, they would put these founders in touch with me and say, "Hey, look, you know, we need to build the first version of this product and get it out in you know six months. Can right. you help?" Yeah, so I would help them build the the minimum viable product. Sure, uh, get a little slice of equity in the company. Nice, and then help them uh, launch, and then get myself out mm. because like I'm no good long term. Like <laughs> you don't want to hire me on like a long term. Like you know you're gonna be my guy for the next five years. Like no 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 no. Yeah, because I'll, I'll do a killer job for you the first year or two, and then I'll get bored, okay. and I'll be like your worst employee, <laughs> right? So that's when you got to cut me loose. Yeah, yeah. That's so, good to know about yourself. Yeah, 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 right, yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and so when I was building these little startups, it was perfect because, like, that's the fun part. When you've yeah. got a new problem to solve, and it's just totally wide open, and you can structure it however you want to. Sure. 
Uh, so I'd love that. And then, um, yeah, I would help them like interview new developers, train the new guys so I could kind of transition myself out yep. and then just become an advisor. And eventually, you know, it would be like, oh, six months later, I haven't thought about you guys. How's it going? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, just get an update. Um, yeah. Any uh, success stories there? Uh, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> so I the mean, equity was not worth anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's life with startups. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. And then you specifically Bitcoin, though, like, can you remember, I don't know if I should say the first conversation, the first article? What was that like? whoa moment, that eureka moment, as we all, all Bitcoiners like to say. Do you remember what that is? I, I didn't really have that. Um, you know, like most people that, that get into Bitcoin, they've got that like nerd friend yep. that's like, yo, you got to check this out. Yep. So I'm that nerd friend for everyone else, but I don't <laughs> have that person for me. Gotcha. So there's, there's nobody, you know, saying, Keith, Keith, you got you to gotta take a look. Um. And for me, it was just like being exposed through a couple of Wired articles through the years and just thinking that sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then just finally, you know, getting around and think, OK, let's let's dig in. Let, sure. Let's buy a tiny bit of Bitcoin and, and start playing with it. Sure. Uh, but like I said, my first two years in Bitcoin, I was a shit coiner. Yeah. I was buying, you know, like, oh, you know, whatever the hell. Cardano is the future and uh. you know, going going to all these, you know, dead ends. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, you know, at the time I was like, I don't understand these people that are saying, make sure you've got at least X allocation in Bitcoin, right. you know, while you're off shitcoining. Yeah. And, you know, I was so new, I, I didn't get it. I'm like, oh, Bitcoin, it, it's like the dinosaur coin yeah, and it's yeah. a boomer <laughs> coin. It yeah. doesn't do anything. Right. Like, what? I don't understand these people. Um, but, you know, the more time I spent in shitcoin land and, yeah. and, and as a programmer too, like I wrote. Uh, some Ethereum smart contracts, yep. launched some uh, Ethereum projects. I wrote EOS and WAX smart contracts. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible. That, no, but okay. that, that's a good Bitcoiner. You don't, yeah, you don't yeah. know these other uh, no, <laughs> these you other lost chains. That one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, so, all right. Actually, you, and you brought Gigi up earlier. This is actually a, 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 the first time I had Gigi on. He He kind of came from that perspective too, where he was like, you know, he's a um, software developer and he was like being develop developing for those shit coins is what caused me to understand yes. that they're just shit coins. Can you expound on not necessarily what he meant on that? Cause you can mean something else, but like, what is it about working with them that exposes that they really are worth nothing? Well, you know, I mean, for, for a non-programmer, the entire concept of a smart contract sounds like so like, complicated and magical and all powerful, right. and, you know, like yeah. there's just the hype around it. And, and it's really hard to dig in and, and understand what's really going on. And then especially for something like Ethereum, the actual programming language solidity, it's very simple. I mean, it, intentionally so like okay. it, it's, it's built to be stripped down uh, and, and, and a simple language. And instead of seeming like magical and all powerful, it's like, Oh, I just, you know, like if you're going to transfer, like I make, you know, Keith shitcoin, and I'm going to transfer some to you yeah. is literally like, oh, take Keith's balance and minus 10, take Jose's balance and plus 10. That's it. That's it. Right. <laughs> and that's like, you know, three lines of code. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, that, that's the magical like shitcoin fountain. Right. right? right. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. Uh, and then like for, uh, for EOS and WAX. You don't need to know the details, but Wax is a clone of EOS. 
the same same architecture. Yeah. It's just there's 21 server clusters running an off-the-shelf database in each cluster. And and as long as the 21 uh, server clusters agree on the state of the database, that's that's their their consensus. Hmm. Interesting. And, and you know, and so when you're programming in that system, you're literally just making database updates in your smart contract. Right. You know, so nothing about this feels like the magical impenetrable blockchain. Right. It's just the same kind of tech programming I've been doing for for 20 years. Kind of just sounds like an SQL database. Right? It is. Anyway, right? okay. I mean, it's literally a MongoDB, a Mongo database <laughs> okay. behind these 21 server clusters. Yeah. And the only twist is that there's 21 of them and they all have to agree. That's it. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, when, when people are like, oh, well, the blockchain is forever. I'm like, really? Because look, I'm just going to update this value right here, you, you know, and it, it's just manipulating a database. Gotcha. So. And, and in Bitcoin, that's different in what sense? Uh, Many, I'm sure. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. yeah like. I mean, yeah, we don't have the notion of updatable data storage. Right. You know, and, and okay, we can't do some of these, most of these smart contract-like uh, applications. Um, but I, I think the Bitcoin architecture is just smarter. Like, yeah. we have this, this bedrock layer one foundation. It doesn't screw around with adding extra features and extra possibilities. Right. It's just... TikTok, next block, lock it in stone, move on to the next one. Um, and that's all we need in our base layer. Yeah. Like we can play on, on layer twos and layer threes and whatever if we want to add, yeah. you know, smart contract support or side chains or all these other concepts. I don't know, like space chains and, you know, drive chains. I, I can't keep up with, with right. all this lingo. But we just don't need it on, on the base layer. Right. And the reason all that, all those imaginable things are... I guess could become reality is because the base layer is so strong. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. You at least have some like foundational guarantees at, at the end of the day. Yeah. So in, in that situation, um, you say we could play around all these layers. I kind of see lightning as that new playground. Well, it's not new. It's pretty much been around, but that, that playground where more innovation is happening than on the base layer. Um, how do you feel about lightning on a day to day use, but also as a software developer, how do you feel about lightning? Ooh, so yeah, no, hit me. <laughs> <laughs> Since uh, my projects have really focused on self custody, yep. multi sig, uh, the hardware wallet, yep. I've had to really cut off the lightning rabbit hole. Sure, because if I try to go down, like there's so much happening in lightning, too and much. I I can't keep up. So I've intentionally kind of uh, uh, blocked that part off from sure. my brain. But that being said, um, I did just spend. A week in El Salvador, yeah, and you know, tried to pay with Bitcoin wherever I could, and and just seeing like which which vendors and which stores accepted, and you know how familiar or not they are with with doing a uh, a Lightning uh, invoice. Um, but like I personally, I use custodial Lightning wallets. Sure, I use Wallet of Satoshi. I I I spend fiat through Strike to to a Lightning invoice. Yeah, and I I run a a Bitcoin core node at home, but I don't run my own lightning node. Yeah. And, you know, for, it's the right decision for me. And I think for most people. Yeah. But it, I think it is a little worrisome that even someone like me says, you know what, it's just way easier and more practical to just go custodial lightning. It's a great point. Yeah. And, you know, so I don't know what that means for the long-term health of, of yeah. the lightning network. 
Uh, yeah, but- I, I think it trends towards custodial, uh, unfortunately. And uh, I'm glad you said that because I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, somebody like yourself that's willing to get into the weeds as a, and doesn't want to manage channels. I'm the same exact way. So um, early 2020, decided to get my Raspy Blitz. Somebody, a uh, great person, mentored me through, you know, setting up a Lightning Wallet and doing all that. Fantastic. I still have that same node that's actually running. But like you, uh, is is Moon custodial? No, it's not custodial. I think it's half. <laughs> yeah, right. They, I, they have some trickery I there. I think it's like a one of two where they have a key. Okay. But because it's a one of two, it means they can move the on-chain funds around. Right. So I've done most of my Lightning stuff through Moon. I just find it, it's a, it's a beautiful looking wallet and it works very well. But they're what they do with their atomic swaps and when they go back and forth. I just think, like you said, for a person who just wants to take advantage of Lightning and not have to deal with cha- uh, um, channel balancing and stuff like that, I just think it's the right thing. I thought balancing channels would become easier. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening or some developers out there that are like, oh, well, now we have, you know, Lightning liquidity and, and things like that that we can provide. And But the more they keep telling me that there's a solution to balancing channels, the more confusing it gets to me. <laughs> right? It just seems like overkill. Um, and maybe I'm just being lazy, but I'm glad you said that because I thought it was just me. But somebody as technical as yourself not wanting to do it kind of trends towards this is going to be a custodial solution, yeah. like a, yeah. a PayPal 2.0. Well, uh, and, you know, so a, a seed signer, the man yeah. down in El Salvador, mm-hmm. he paid with uh, his moon wallet, yeah. a lightning invoice. And... <clears throat> He paid, I think, like a 40 cent fee yeah. on a lightning Whoa. invoice. Okay. And he's like, what the heck's going on? Why is it so high? Right. And like I did a, a, a transaction with Strike and it's, you know, like one cent fee. Sure. Um, and I think it's because his moon funds were probably on chain at the time. Mm. And so they had to do, you know, some what loop in to get it into like a lightning, you know, state yeah. and then do the transfer. So he's paying like on-chain fees plus the lightning, you know, the minimal yeah. lightning routing fee. But at the end of the day, as the user, he's just like, well, why does mine cost more than yours? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's hard to explain because then you can just sit there. Yeah. Especially hard to explain with Moon because they're doing so much magic behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, the more I keep hearing Moon doing magic, the more I think is Moon's doing some bullshit. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love the product. I just, I worry about them. I, I think they have a very, and, and I'm not, deep into understanding what they're doing. Sure. Like my my base level understanding is like, I think they, they are trying to do something really clever and innovative, but there's just bound to be cases like seed signer situation where your, your liquidity is on the wrong side of the on-chain, off-chain yeah. you know, distinction and you got to pay a fee to cross that chasm. Right. Their, their wallet is so beautiful though, like functioning wise <laughs> and... They, it's the best newbie onboarding wallet that you okay. can really get. You could just literally, hey, download this and go. Um, I, I, I challenge you a little bit on that, me. though. What you got? <laughs> My qualm is that the Moon backup is not standard. It's their okay. own like code numbers that you write down. Mm. And then you have this encrypted blob that you, know, you can download or it's safe to put up in you know, cloud storage. But the entire restore process is unique to Moon. Yeah, that's true. And so for me, as like a guy who's worked on Spectre Desktop, who works on Seed Signer, and and you know Seed Signer's interacting with as many wallets as possible. Yep. Spectre, Sparrow, Blue Wallet, Nunchuck, uh, hopefully the Galois uh, Bitcoin Beach Wallet soon. Nice. Um, 
we want to see standard approaches. Yeah, and that's a good point. And and one of the biggest selling points is like, oh, you can create a new Bitcoin private key in the seed signer, and you can import it into any wallet you're using, and it's completely standardized. There's no like vendor or software lock-in. You just, uh, you, it's just portable yeah. everywhere you want to go. And then you get to Moon, <laughs> and it's this unique, weird, ugly duckling that yeah. isn't like the others. Good point. And if that's a newbie's first experience with Bitcoin, then, okay, they get comfortable with that. And then we're like, okay, now, do you know about writing down your 12 or 24 words? And like, no, what's that? I'm like, ah. Good point. We're at, yeah, we're right. at step one with you as a, as a, as a noob right. for the broader ecosystem. So now you're a newer noob. <laughs> After <laughs> oh, coming in. <laughs> right, right, right. Or you yeah. have to, you're, you're a re-noob because yeah, you have to you know, exactly. relearn the, these basic Fascinating steps. Fascinating point. You're right about that. I, I've had Moon for so long that I forgot about that little onboarding process that they do. But it is unique to them. Absolutely. Um, I had another experience with them too, which kind of freaked me out. I, I talked about this with a, a coworker of mine and he was like, ah, well, they kind of just saw the original state of the wallet versus what you were seeing and fixed it, which made it sound like I was just overreacting. But uh, long story less long, I had some missing transactions. Mm. I reached out to them on Twitter DM, which is like, I don't, <laughs> I don't even have to open a ticket or anything. Like, you just talk to me on... Anyways, so this person was basically like, hey, what's your email? I gave you my email. And basically, they're like, oh, yeah, I see those transactions here. I'm just going to make them show up on your wallet now. <laughs> I was like, how can you do that? I was like, wait a minute. Like, I'm supposed to be the only one right. in control of this wallet. Um, but according to my buddy, they saw, they had a bug. I saw one state of the balance. They saw a different state of the balance. They gave me the real original state of the balance. And it's just one of those like server side switch things. Yeah. And I'm thinking like back to like a lot of BS going on in the right. background. The fact that, like, imagine reaching out to Code Card and saying, hey, can you look into my Code Card right now and just let me know? <laughs> It'll be like, wait a minute. So that's another, just to add on the on the moon, yeah. maybe and, not and being the best candidate. No, and you're right. That totally goes against the whole idea of running your own node. Right. And that's your source of truth. Right. right. Connecting all of your apps to your own node. No trust. No, no customer service person that's like, oh, I'll, I'll, un I'll, I'll reveal those transactions to you now. I was, my, I was scared at first. I, was, I mean, I, to be honest, you know, inherent to a hot wallet, I treat it like my wallet in my back yeah. pocket. Maybe yeah. have like a hundred bucks on it, something like that, that I'm just going to pay for a magazine for or something. Uh, some coffee, whatever. The coffee sounds cliche. I hate, that. <laughs> I hate when everybody says, we're going to pay for a coffee. It's like, we're past that point. Yeah. We can buy stuff now. Hey, I, I paid for cervezas in El Salvador Let's with go. Bitcoin. Okay, yeah, all right. we're moving up. <laughs> yeah. Coffee to cerveza, awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, all right. So what would be your newbie onboarding wallet? And you can go platform specific, like iOS or Android. That's fine. Uh, so are we talking about Lightning? Or are we talking about on-chain? Ah, shit. See, we go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, either. Like, if I was new and you were going to say, all right, you got a cell phone? Let's get you some Bitcoin. What would you say? So, I use Blue Wallet. Okay. It's, it's so utilitarian. Like, yeah. there's, no, there's no, like, good UI in Blue Wallet. Yeah. It's just, you know, here it is. Yeah, 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 nothing yeah. fancy, nothing, nothing sexy about it. I like Blue Wallet. Uh. Um, but, so, you know, when I... And this is for people that like, I'm sitting in front of them. Yep. You know, it's like my friend calls me up, comes over. We've got like 45 minutes to do it. Sure. So I'll have them set up a new hot wallet in Blue Wallet and, you know, write down your, your 12 or 24 words. 
I'll deposit some Bitcoin into the new wallet and then we'll delete it off his phone. Yeah. And, you know, of course, everyone's like, oh, but I'm going to lose the Bitcoin you just sent me. Right. Oh, wait, wait, the magic is coming. (laughs) There's more. (laughs) Exactly. And then we restore his new wallet from his 12 words. And he's like, oh, look, the balance is back. My Bitcoin didn't die. Right. And, you know, then I can explain. Yeah, because your Bitcoin doesn't live on your phone. Right. Like the words give you access to the Bitcoin that exists in yeah. the global network. Yeah, you know, right. The Bitcoin exists out there. Yeah, yeah. Not, not in this device. Oh, that's really how you trip them up, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Out there, they're just yeah. like, what the hell? And this is money? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then later, I'll get them to the point where um, I'll, it, it kind of depends. Like because of the work I do with Seed Signer, yeah. if I think they're ready to start dealing with a hardware wallet, then I'll give them a seed signer sure. and I'll help them create a watch-only wallet in Blue Wallet. And so now we've got the, the keys controlled by seed signer, air-gapped, separate from their phone, watch-only wallet on the phone, and then same thing, walk them through the, the signing process and, and all that. Right. So you start them off with the Blue. That's what, that's what I would do. And recovery, that's a good lesson, too. A lot of yeah. people forget that, you know, uh, even I've been guilty of this, where it's like you get your 12 words and you just think those things are yeah. good without even running them through. I made that mistake with all of my hardware wallets when I was a newbie. Yeah. I, I wrote down the words. Yeah. I've never lost my my backups. Yeah. But after writing them down, I then started transferring my funds into the into the hardware wallet. Yeah. And at that point, I was terrified of doing anything to the hardware wallet. Whereas what I should have done was, just like I do with the hot wallet, yeah. transfer a little bit in, Wipe the hardware wallet, reset it, you know, restore it from my backup words. Sure. And then make sure it's still, you know, the same wallet. Yeah. But I never did that. So like two years went by, you know, starting from like 2017 to 2019. And I'm just like, I don't even know if my backups work. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know how to check. I didn't know what to do with them at the time. I didn't realize that a ledger backup should work just fine in a Trezor and, and everything else. Sure. Like this whole portability idea yeah i was just like i'm trapped on this ledger and i don't dare you know tweak it because yeah i'll lose yeah. all my funds yeah especially with the co-card because it <clears throat> i mean now i take it for granted but it kind of just seems like oh like very intimidating oh right? yeah or it's like that what the hell is this thing i'm gonna break something here or yeah. whatever <laughs> now in retrospect it's actually simple they all pretty simple but yeah yeah i can see that so test your seed phrases folks like, yeah that's that's a good one that i haven't heard many people say when they're on board um, all right. I, I I do like Blue Wallet. Blue Wallet is awesome. I can't get Lightning to work on my Blue Wallet. Mm. Um, I know it requires. Um, I'm gonna butcher this. Uh, no, Allen Bits. Okay. In order to kind of <laughs> certain, I know you kind of jumped off the Lightning wagon. So, but I I think it's because I have a Raspberry Blitz, and Raspberry Blitz the only way you can connect to your uh, Lightning node. On Blue Wallet is through Allen Bits. I don't know how to function Allen Bits, so I lost myself. Um, but I love my blue wallet because on chain, that's connected to my node. Yeah, and then I could just literally interface with my node and, and have a good time with yeah. that. Um, right, well, let's get a little nerdy here. Sure. So blue wallet, it's on your phone. Yeah. It's traveling around the country, around the world with you. Yeah. And you're you're talking to your node at home. Yep. So are you using Tor to do that? Yes. And it's slow. Hella slow. <laughs> Painfully slow. <clears throat> yes. Okay. So. Yeah. Uh, the easiest way to fix this yeah. is to run tail scale on your node. I've heard of this, but I want you to explain it to me because <clears throat> I'm confused by that. So 
Tailscale is essentially a VPN server. Okay. So you're running a VPN server out of your home. And so that means when you're away, you can connect into your home to talk to that VPN server. Okay. And, <clears throat> excuse me, the whole point of creating a VPN is that you're creating a secure tunnel okay. where nobody outside of the tunnel can see the information going back and forth. Right. So once you've set up the secure tunnel into your own home, now you can access your node as if you were sitting, you were plugged in right next to it on your home network. Amazing. So you don't need Tor. Yeah. If it's like, you know, 192.168.1.100, you know, typical LAN sure. IP address that, yeah. that from inside your network, you use that exact same inside your network IP address when you have your VPN into your house connected and you can just see your node and just, so you can like get, you know, almost instantaneous data back and forth Amazing. instead of waiting, you know, forever for Tor to make a connection and, and do stuff. Yeah. How easy is that to set up? Is it, and is it, does it add more to the cost? No. So uh, the only slight trade-off is that Tailscale, you can almost think of Tailscale as like <clears throat> the umbral of VPN servers. Okay. And it, it's literally... An option in Umbral, you can just, you know, click it in their app store and, and add it. Okay. Um, but it takes care of all of the harder configuration stuff. Sure. And then there's uh, the only part that people really have to look into is in order to make your connection into your house, you basically need the equivalent, uh, equivalent of a, um, like a lookup directory. Okay. Like, how do you find your house? How do you find your IP connection to your house um, <clears throat> if you're in the outside world? Yeah. And so Tailscale runs like basically uh, a lookup directory. So you've got your, your Tailscale server running. It talks to, to their server and says, hey, I'm, you know, Jose's node. Yeah. And then when you connect in the app on your, the Tailscale app on your phone to, to connect home, yeah. it just does a quick look and say, hey, Where's Jose's note? Oh, it's over here. Cool. Um, nice. And so I, I haven't used Tailscale personally because, you know, like I said, it's, it's the umbral of VPN servers. It's like the easy point and click way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm doing the like slightly harder way to do, like roll your own. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but the, I, I was actually tweeting about some of my concerns about having this like Tailscale server that knows how to locate, you know, my node. Sure. And uh, to their credit, like their social media game <laughs> is strong. <laughs> so their social media person, whoever it was, responded and put up like all these, you know, links to like how their system works. And, you know, I only looked at it briefly, but it, it kind of looks like they've got a pretty good system. Like there isn't that much or maybe no, no trust involved. Yeah. Is, is that the best uh, alternative to Tor you've been able to find? That yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you can't, you can't beat having a, a direct connection home right. that, that's securely encrypted. I'm going to have to look into that. I actually have a, uh, an embassy, embassy suite pro showing up, uh, in the next few weeks, which means I'm just going to redo my whole Bitcoin core. I might actually run a prune node, um, just cause they, they come with two terabytes. I know we're approaching about 500 gigs mm -hmm. here. So I wanted to do that, but I run a prune node, but reset my lightning, and then I'm going to look into that because I do want to use lightning that's non-custodial. I don't mind setting up channels for what I need, meaning 
Best case scenario with Lightning, I spent 50 bucks. So if I could get some inbound and outbound that's worth you 50, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But the tour and, and, and everything, and the Raspberry Blitz, I don't know if I'm doing it wrong. The <laughs> continuous updates to Raspberry Blitz, just, uh, I know it's an open source project and it's going to get updated, but the updating process just knocks down your node for easily six to eight hours at Oof. a time. And maybe yeah. I'm doing it wrong. I don't think so. I'm just flashing onto a new card and loading it up. Uh, but yeah, some, I, I just have to try something newer so I could get reinvigorated with lightning and with just running a node in general, not just lightning. Um, so that's what I'm on now, but yeah, that, yeah, that's horror, man. It's, yeah. it's a nightmare. And I heard embassy, um, has a RoboSats app in their marketplace Okay, and they allow you to connect to BISC. I've never used BISC. I have used RoboSats. I'm very interested in having my node or my personal server, as they like to say, be able to connect to RoboSats on the fly and be able to interact with it. I think that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to use RoboSats yet, but... Super uh, cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I only, <clears throat> I only use about 50 bucks worth, but I was impressed by how smooth it was and how anonymous it was, of course, which is great. Um, and just the marketplace itself, just to be able to line you up with people that want like a gift card or something like that. It's very fascinating. Uh, but I have to go through my Tor browser <laughs> on my computer that's already on a VPN to try to, you know, go to RoboSats website. And I haven't seen it run on Embassy Suite, but I know for sure they have it on their marketplace. And I'm thinking it's like Umbro where it's like click and go. Yeah, right. Yeah. So super hyped for that. All right. Let's get into C Tanner. All right. Into hardware devices. Um, are you on the on the hardware wallet or the signing device? What what train <laughs> what train are you on on those two? <clears throat> well, especially for Seed Signer, signing device makes more sense. Okay. I do like signing device. All right. One question with, I want you to get into Seed Signer and explain to what Seed Signer is, is, but, um, and you can start by explaining and then segue to this question if you want. I've always been wary about, well, how do I know that Cold Card is not a bad actor that now has all, everybody's keys that has a Cold Card and can do malicious stuff with it? You don't have to start there. You can start with a Seed Signer, but let's circle back on that question there. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, and actually the, the, that question and what is Seed Signer really do work together pretty well. Great. So Seed Signer is, you know, like I said, it's a Bitcoin hardware wallet you can build from off-the-shelf parts. It's air-gapped, which means it never physically connects to any device that's connected to the internet. And that's a huge part of the security guarantees. Yeah. So rather than physically connecting with like a USB cable or moving even SD cards around, it uses the camera on the back of it to view QR codes that your wallet software displays. And then it has a little screen that also shows QR codes uh, for the reverse direction. So it can transmit information to your uh, software wallet and, and your online connected device. Sure. So... Because the QR codes are the only way to get information into or out of the seed signer, it's so limited. It's so limited. And like, there's no such thing as a like malicious QR code, like virus script. Right. <laughs> you, you, you know, yeah. whereas like on the web, it's like, oh, any little bit of JavaScript can like, wreck your, your browser yeah, right? Right. or compromise your machine. Uh, just the nature of how like JavaScript runs in the browser. But you could try to inject malicious code as a QR code and I can scan your malicious code <laughs> as a QR code. Yeah. And, and 
our code will decode the QR code and it'll be like, okay, we got the string of data and it's, you know, whatever, SQL injection this or, you know, hack that. Right. And it just feel like, you know, the seed signer will just be like, that's that's not a Bitcoin transaction. Yeah. I don't know what the hell that is. They'll, right. just, they'll just toss it out. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> You're not going to trigger some like, oh, you've entered the secret admin mode and, yeah, and yeah. now you've unlocked like, you know, all yeah. the secrets on this device. It's just like, what is this garbage? Yeah. Um, and then on the way out, the the QR code that is displayed on the screen. I mean, first of all, you can only send so much information at once in a QR code. Right. And so you're limited. You know, you, you can't you can't transmit the text of Moby Dick in a QR code. That'd be tough on 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 seed signer because <laughs> it's it's a 1.3 inch you know screen. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. You'll be there for like two days of like you know what is it? My my name is Ishmael. Right, <laughs> like whatever. Right. The, I forget click, the, the first click. line of Moby Dick. Um, That's funny. But um, but you'd also have to compromise your what we call the coordinator software. So Blue Wallet, Spectre, Sparrow, Nunchuck, they'd have to be in on it because if Seed Signer was trying to transmit some secrets or some you know whatever, the the software watching for that QR code that's reading it off the screen yeah. also has to understand what this like. Oh, it's it's leaking me. You know, it's secretly sending me his private keys. Okay, let's pay attention now. Right. And and you know, and the odds of of a hacker physically screwing with my seed signer and hacking my Spectre desktop software or my Blue Wallet software. Yeah. You know, in a way that they can cooperate, it's just it's just really low odds. Right. And honestly, if if somebody had that much access to me, to my laptop, yeah. to my seed signer. Like they're in my house, they're on my computer. Like, yeah, they can do way more. Than, yeah. than, like they don't need this complex attack. Yeah, right. They just knock on my bedroom door. Like, hi, I'm here. Right. I'm going to kill you now yeah. <laughs> unless you give me your Bitcoin. I want everything. Right? Yeah, like it's just easier to five dollar wrench attack me than, than have this like really sophisticated, you know, scheme to right. to compromise a seed signer. Yeah. Um. You know, or or like they replace the seed signer with one that has like a broadcast chip in it, sure. and, and they're they're sitting outside my window, you know, with a scanner, <laughs> you know, like listening for the 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 signal coming out of their right. their hacked seed signer. But same thing. That yeah. means they got into my house, you know. Yeah, that's um, some advanced work. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, what are you like a crazy Bond villain with an overly complex scheme? Or, right. No, just just hit me with a wrench. That's it. Uh, <laughs> and when and when a person gets the uh their like if they were to just buy directly from Seed Center, um, they put together the actual Seed Center themselves. So they could actually inspect to see if there's no broadcast and you can. Okay. But I mean, realistically, you know, the average person is not gonna stare at a Raspberry Pi Zero board and yeah. be like, wait a minute, this module <laughs> yeah. doesn't belong here. What is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um and so and it's it's difficult now because the Raspberry Pi Zero boards that you need to get to make a seed signer are impossible to find. Nah, not impossible, but extremely difficult. Yep. Uh, seed signer, the man has been able to find like kind of like secret stashes of boards. You know, like um, there was some university like uh, computer science lab yep. where they had plans to use the exact same board, uh, you know, as like a, student exercise and they ended up canceling the program. So they had, I don't know, let's say a hundred sure. of these boards lying around. And so they just like put it up on eBay or something like, Oh, you know, Raspberry Pi zero 1.3 boards for sale. Yep. And he's like, yoink, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll take right. the whole batch. For sure. That's you great. Know? Yeah. Cause, Cause this like, 
this college doesn't know what they're sitting on. They don't know that like us weirdo Bitcoiners are like right. desperate to get our hands on these things, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, you could have sold those to a Bitcoiner for $50 a pop. And, and they're just like, you know, getting these things out. You know, it's like a box in storage and they just want to get it out of the, you know, computer science closet. Right, right. Um, yeah, so so then, so you could buy it that way or you cannot buy it that way. But back to the original question, how do I know my code card can't, it, it basically there wasn't something put in there I'm trying to word this question right. I know you wouldn't know what I mean, but how do I know that when I buy my seat signer, it's it, I could verify that it hasn't been tampered with. Same with the code card that I, I I know I can't verify the code card unless I break the thing open. Uh, I mean, you can. Can you? Okay. Um, and I I don't want to fud cold card or any of the yeah. wallets. Um, usually the method is um, by doing the exact same operation on another device or two or three or 10. Okay. So if you already have a cold card, you get a brand new seed signer and you say, okay, I'm going to enter my 12 or 24 words and I'm going to export that wallet XPUB to create my wallet, you know, in whatever software. Yep. And I'm going to do the exact same process with my cold card. Did I get the same wallet? Should. But if you point. didn't, something weird's going on. Yeah. You know, or you typed in the words wrong or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, things like, um, uh, there, there, are, there are other tools on board that you can use. Like if you're trying to create a new seed and you want to pick words, random words out of a hat, yeah, right? So you pick 11 words, your final word has some extra math behind it. And so you can't just pick the 12th word and go with it. Okay. You need some device to do some calculation for you to say, this is a valid 12th word given the 11 that you've already picked. Right. And so Seed Center can do that. I'm almost positive Cold Card can do that. And then there are other online tools that you can download and run on an offline computer. Gotcha. And so you can do, you know, pick the exact same 11 words on all these different methods, calculate your 12th word and see if they match. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and so just by doing these sorts of like redundant parallel verifications, you can start to build confidence that in, in, in two directions, like I'm less worried about getting an evil device. I'm more worried about just bugs in the code. Yeah. And, you know, and so that something like that is just a way to vet that the code is doing what it's supposed to be doing. And, you know, there isn't just something going wrong. Yeah. But, in the, uh, and I'm just being way over the top paranoid here, but in a situation where for seed signer, seed signer is stateless, mm -hmm. right? So once you unplug it, it loses everything. Yep. Your code card is not stateless. Yep. So, and the example of th that examples you gave was more like computational Bitcoin everyday workings. But what about like backing up information that it shouldn't back up? So if I have my private keys on this code card, see on, on the seed signer, I'll just unplug it. Mm -hmm. It's over, right? Stateless. On the code card, I have to trust but there's something on that code card that's not backing up my private keys or doing something it's not supposed to do. Is it easier to, easier to verify that stuff or is it just more like you have to trust them? Um, the average person probably just has to trust them. But well, first of all, there's not that much that a cold card or a ledger or a treasure could store that you didn't want it to store. Okay. That it isn't storing already. Yeah. 
There's yeah. a there's a lot of stores in that <laughs> sentence, right? But like it, the, those sorts of devices, the the normal kind of hardware wallets, they're designed to keep your private key in storage on the device for as long as you're going to use it. And so your 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 most important secret is already on board. So, you know, just thinking off the top of my head, the only thing I can think of that I wouldn't want the device to store would be like if I have a BIP39 passphrase on my seed, because if that's the case, if you have my seed or my backup words, but you don't have my BIP39 passphrase, you cannot move my funds. Right. The, the BIP39 passphrase essentially changes your seed into a totally different seed. Right. Um, and so that I would not want stored on a cold card or ledger or treasure, I want to have to type in that passphrase every single time so that if somebody were to, you know, steal my cold card and had, you know, an infinite amount of time to like, you know, poke at it, sure. to try to pull the secret out. Okay. If maybe eventually they can get my, my seed out of it, but they don't have my passphrase. Right. That's a good argument for a passphrase. We actually um, here we we talk about a lot of like passphrase being your um, worst case scenario, uh, not worst case scenario, but the um, the opportunity to shoot yourself in the uh-huh. foot increases highly yes. when you have your passphrase. So we actually recommend that our clients here at Unchained not use a passphrase. Um, it sounds like. Your pro press phrase, if that's even a term, <laughs> just made that well, up. Well, everything is nuance, right? This, is, this is a complicated world. Yeah. For single sig, a naked single sig without a passphrase scares me. Yeah. Um, like basically all all the decks are stacked against you on a naked single sig, right? Because all your eggs in one ba- are in one basket, and so you need you need backups of your like. 12 or 24 words, yeah. right? So you spread them into two, three, four different locations. But now that you've done that, and there's no passphrase on your single SIG seed, any one of those backup locations gets compromised, the, the thief has all of your wealth. Sure. Right? It's, it's, yeah. a single, it's not even a single point of failure. You've just created four points of failure yeah. <laughs> or whatever it is, right? <laughs> you've, you've increased greatly right. your points of failure yeah. with single SIG with no passphrase. Whereas again, if you had those three, four backups out in the world with your single SIG, but there's a passphrase on it, now it doesn't matter that they broke into that vault on that desert island, you know, and they stole your 12 words without the passphrase, it's useless. Right. So for single SIG, I think it's fine for beginners, but for my friends, so for my friends, the path is, almost no value in a hot wallet on their phone, then a watch-only single SIG wallet with a hardware wallet, then maybe single SIG with a passphrase, or jump straight to multi-SIG. Yeah. And so with multi-SIG, this solves so many problems. And I know I'm preaching to the choir yeah, here, yeah, right? Yeah. Like a, a man who works at Unchained Capital yeah. understands this very well. But it is amazing how many problems multisig solves. Indeed. And I do not think you need a passphrase on your individual keys that control your multisig. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So we are saying the right thing here. Yeah. 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 Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, I have thought about it back and out. Um, I, didn't, I didn't quote it as eloquently as you just did. But you're right. I guess in certain scenarios, a passphrase applies. 
But with a multi-sig, since you already eliminated single point of failure, then adding even more, it just heightens the risk that you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. And you're going to yeah. be screwed. Yeah. Um, all right. With the seed signer, what's... I, I think the, impl- the the use case for a seed signer is pretty universal. I mean, from like already having a multi-sig and recovering it there to creating a new one. Um, in your opinion, what is the most likely use case for somebody who's listening right now who's just heard of a seed signer is interested? How would you onboard them and let them know how they should try it? Well, I mean, you actually just quickly mentioned the most important feature of a seed signer, which I didn't go into detail about, sure. which is... When you turn it off, the device blanks itself. Yeah, huge. So, which at first sounds so weird. Yeah. Like, how in the hell are you going <laughs> to use something yeah. that is like an amnesiac, yeah. right? That has no <laughs> idea what your private keys are. Right. That's just like, okay, I understand how that's more secure. Like, if it's sitting on my desk and someone steals it, no big deal. Yeah. But it just sounds like the world's worst like user experience. Right. Right. I'm like, I got these 24 words sitting over in a vault. <laughs> like I get to type them in every time. Yeah. Um, and so as with everything, there are trade-offs, right? So by not remembering your seed, yes, you have to re-enter it every time. Sounds terrible. And I already said that this, the seed center has a tiny little 1.3 inch screen. Yeah. This is not what you want to be like typing on, you know, all the time, right? (laughs) Right. Um, But so one of my first contributions to the Seed Center project was exactly this problem. I'm like, I love this project, but I don't want to be typing my damn words in every time. Sure. Can we make this faster? What can we do? And I think I have to credit uh, Brecky, you know, uh, Brecky Von Bitcoin. Yeah, oh yeah. who works at Swan with the idea, like maybe two years ago, he was trying to make a QR code out of pepperoni on a pizza, <laughs> right? It was this huge, like, like mega sized pizza. Yeah. And he had cut pepperoni slices into squares. Yeah. And he had, he had pre-planned, he printed out a QR code that was, that was like valid. Yeah. And he's using it like as his template to like put down like the pepperoni slices. Yeah. And the goal was that when he was done, you'd be able to scan you know, the damn pizza yeah. and it would be like a Bitcoin address or I, I don't know what it was. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but unfortunately it didn't work. <laughs> okay. He's, he said the problem is in the hot sun, the pepperoni starts drying up and it starts curling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so his, his perfectly cut square pieces of pepperoni just yeah. curled their way into an unreadable QR code failure. Yeah. Right. But anyway, with, with Brecky's, pizza in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, what if we could convert your seed phrase into a QR code? Yeah. And except we can't take a picture of this QR code because this is what we say about your, your 12 or 24 words. Don't ever take a photo of it. Don't, don't store it digitally. Exactly. And the most paranoid people even say you can't use a printer because printers have memory in them. And so, you know, even then you're not safe. Right. So, okay, I want to create a QR code. I can't take a picture of it. I can't print it. How the hell do you make a QR code? Like, well, you could try drawing it by hand. Sure. Which sounds insane. (laughs) You know, no one other than Brecky is like, yeah, let's make a QR code, you know, by hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, But so I just kind of did the math on it. And the first version was for a 24-word seed, 
it's a 29 block by 29 block QR code. Okay. But three corners are these giant registration blocks. So if you look at a QR code, three of the corners are just these big concentric boxes. And so, okay, I don't have to do anything, any work there. That's just built into the, the template. Sure. And so I just started making one by hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like literally took, a, took a, a ruler and a piece of paper and I just made, you know, 29 boxes and uh, 29 by 29. Yeah. Filled them with, in with a Sharpie. And then I took my seed signer and I was like, okay, point the camera at it, scan. And it read back. Wow, nice. And it could read my seed. Oh, yeah. And so... What I made was a UI that zooms into your QR code, kind of one zone at a time. And I made a blank QR template that has the same zones uh, marked off. Nice. And so you go to like zone B3, you know, it's like playing Battleship. Yeah, right? yeah, nice. You go to B3 and you're looking at B3 zoomed in on the little seed center screen and then you just fill in the dots. And it's actually not as bad as it sounds. No, yeah. And so now you can instantly scan the QR code and get your seed loaded into the seed signer. Nice. And so my whole house now is just covered with QR codes <laughs> everywhere. Right. <laughs> nice. This is part of my uh, um, security through messiness. Right. right. So, so if anybody comes in and five dollar wrench attacks me, like, where's your seeds? I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Maybe it's that one, or maybe it's that one, or uh, look under the table. One of them fell on the ground. I think it's that one. <laughs> Um, that's great you know just take them all one of them's the right one yeah yeah um and and so now that we solved the problem of having to enter in the words and yeah. it's a you know it was a pain in the butt previously now we have the power of a device that is flexible about which seed it's operating on and so if you want to experiment with creating your own multi-sig normally you'd go okay, I'm going to buy three cold cards or I'm going to buy five cold cards if I want to do a, a three of five. Right. And like, I own cold cards. I have a ton of respect for NVK. Like, the man deserves to make a profit on a, a well-made product. Sure. But if you want to make your own three of five, that's five cold cards, 147, 150 bucks each. Like, that's a lot. Yeah. And, and if you're just trying to like learn and see if it's going to work for you, it's a it's a big upfront investment when you might just say, oh, you know what? It ended up being too complicated. I don't want to do this. Sure. But so with Seed Signer, you make one Seed Signer off of like $50 worth of off-the-shelf parts. You can create however many new seeds you want, mm. transcribe them to QR, load in all five of them, create your multi-sig wallet, sign, you know, blank the device and say, okay, today I'm going to be seed number two. Load it in, cosign a transaction in your new multi-sig, blanket, load in seed number four this time, cosign a transaction. And so it just allows you to play. You can just create however right. many seeds you want, work on any work with any seed you want, and even retroactively. So I set up my first multi-sig with cold card ledger and keep key. Because okay. that's just kind of the the weird rogues gallery of, of hardware wallets that I had, you know, on hand. Sure. <laughs> and I'm still using that multi-sig that I set up like two and a half years ago. But now I've blanked those hardware wallets. And instead, I've uh, converted, I've taken those 12 and 24 word backups for those three hardware wallets. 
And one by one, I typed them into a seed signer. And then I drew my QR code for each of the three hardware wallets. And now I just need one seed signer to act as like, oh, today my seed signer is going to be playing the role of my ledger yeah. in this multi-sig. And I just scan in the ledger's QR code. Nice. And I can sign as if it was the ledger because it's the exact same seed because yeah. these things are interchangeable and, and portable. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah and so, so one device can control my old multi-sigs, my new multi-sigs. I have trusted co-signers. They have one of my keys and I give them a seed signer and I teach them to use it so they can use it for their own setups. And then occasionally I call them up and I say, hey, I need your help to sign a transaction. I need you to co-sign. Yeah. So scan my seed with your seed signer and now they can sign the transaction for me. How does the signing process work on seed signer for a two of three? Um, meaning, so all right, you recover the quorum. So you rebuild that, that, that quorum. Um, now it's time to sign with key one. Do you have to? It's my, do, do you have to sign? Have a partially Bitcoin signed transaction, unplug, recover key two, or does it all happen in that one flow? Uh, I mean, you can have. Well, first of all, yeah. Uh, so let's let's just start with the first key. Sure. You you create the transaction that you want to sign right on in, the seed signer in or in your software. Okay. Like blue wallet, yeah, blue wallet, nunchuck. Sparrow, Spectre Desktop. Is that because you can't construct transactions on the seed signer? Oh. Correct. Okay, because cool. to construct a transaction, you have to have information about the UTXOs you're going to spend. Correct. Okay. And that information comes from your node. Sure. Your node gets it from the network. So this is all online information. Gotcha. Yep. So your blue wallet or Sparrow knows all these details. Yep. So it assembles that information and says, hey, Keith wants to spend... These two UTXOs, he received them from these you know, previous transactions and he's going to spend them to these recipients with this much coming back in change and this much going out as fee. And then it uh, gathers all of that into a PSBT, partially yep. signed Bitcoin transaction. And the supported wallets can present that as a QR code. And so we scan in that QR code into the seed signer and so now we've moved that transaction into the seed signer. And then we can scan our seed that we want to sign with. So sure. key number one. Yeah. And at that point, the seed signer goes through a PSBT review flow where it shows you the transaction to as much detail as possible so that you know exactly where your Bitcoin is coming from and where every sat is going to go. Yeah. And if it all looks good, you click sign the seed signer does the elliptic curve math to sign the transaction mm -hmm. and then you have to send that signed transaction back to your software back to sparrow let's say okay and so the seed signer will show that signed transaction as a qr code on screen yeah and so the wallet software knows okay now i turn on my camera and it just watches the seed signer screen and, and receives the uh, the signed transaction as a QR code. Gotcha. Now that it's in Sparrow, in this case, we have one of two, uh, one of our two required quorum yep. signed it. And so you just do the exact same process, but now with key number two or, or key number three. Yeah. And then some people have asked like, hey, if I have like some crazy, you know, four of seven, can I just load all four keys at once and just do one signing operation 
because they're all there. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, we haven't built support for that because why are all, why is a whole quorum of keys in one place at one time? Sure. Like, yeah. what are you doing? What yeah. was the point of, That's a red flag. of having a multi-sig? Right. Exactly. Right? So yeah. it, it should be, you use your, your, your seed signer to sign one transaction at home. Yeah. And then if you're me, like I said, I call up my friend and I say, Hey, Jose, I need you to, to be key number two for me. Sure. Sign, sign my transaction. And then if it's a three or five, maybe now I got to like, oh crap, I got to go drive to Arizona to my secret vault <laughs> and get to that key, yeah. you know, scan it. And, and now we've got a quorum of, you know, of our three or five or whatever it is. Right. Which I, I, I think it's, it's very important because I think a lot of people also forget, like, if you have a multi-signature, that would be like the vault, right? Like, you don't want to constantly be spending from, right. from your vault, right? So this isn't a hot wallet. You shouldn't yeah. want to like... So if you're reaching out to me to be your second co-signer and it's for like 25 bucks, <laughs> right? Like, it's like, like, you know what? I'm not going to co-sign. Go, go call key number three. Right. Like, it's just... It's, a lot of people forget that. They're like, oh, but that's really difficult to move my Bitcoin. It's, it's supposed to be in a vault example where you want the utmost privacy and you want as many steps in between you and your Bitcoin as possible. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. And, and also, I like having a human... And and this is where like I, I I you know without I don't even have to shill like I like Unchained Capital yeah yeah <laughs> right, right? <laughs> I, I like the way it's structured yeah um, because I want another person as an option to be involved in in my transaction right like if if you're my key number two and and you're my best friend and all of a sudden I'm like hey sign this transaction for me and you're like whoa bro. Yeah. I don't know how much Bitcoin you have, but you're moving a lot right now. Yeah. What is going on? Right. And if I give off like a funny vibe and I don't give you like a good answer, you're going to be like, you know, like we'll just have an arrangement where you just start lying. Yeah. Right. Like, let's say we're on a Zoom call yeah. and I'm saying, hey, man, I need you to sign this for me. And you're like, holy shit, bro. Are you like buying a house? What's happening? I'm like, oh, you know. It's all good. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a guy off camera, like with a gun pointed at my right, head, right? right? <laughs> and then I'd have you start lying. You'd be like, okay, look, man, you know, I know, I know, like, I, I'm supposed to be your boy and all, and you trust me, but like, I, I just moved to this new apartment and like, I, I, I'm not sure I know where your key is, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you just yeah. lie right, right. so that you can't sign. Yeah. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? You got you asshole. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right? <laughs> And then the guy with, you know, hang up. And the guy with the gun is like, what was that? I'm like, don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll call friend number three, right? Key number three. Right. And then the same thing, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, well, shit, I've got bad friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I trusted yeah. the wrong people. And now I'm probably going to be dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. like plausible deniability, right? Exactly, like, yeah. Like we can have uh, uh, arrangements set up. Yeah. It's like, look, I'm never going to move the value of a house right. in Bitcoin unless I give you a damn good reason. Exactly. And if you see me... Saying it's all good, man. Let's do it. Just, yeah. just sign it, buddy. Then, then you know, like, call nine one one on my behalf. There's right an now. issue. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, how does the C signer respond to now that you brought up Unchained and collaborative custody? How does the C signer respond to uh, that third key that you don't have the information for, right? In a collaborative custody deal, uh, doesn't doesn't matter. Same way as okay. your your cold card number one doesn't care what cold card number three is doing. Sure. Okay. The, the only nuance, which, again, I, I know you're deeply familiar with, yeah, yeah. is to rebuild your multisig, you need the XPUB information from all three right. keys. And so that's the only part where, you know, the seed center would care. Yeah. And 
In fact, the only way to validate your change or receive addresses for your multisig is to have all of the XPubs that make up the multisig. Right. And so uh, we have tools on board where we can say, like, hey, is this really my address? Like, address verifier. Sure. But it only works if you can present all of the XPubs for your right. multisig. If you can't, sorry, we can't, we can't validate for you. Right. And, and so especially during the PSBT review flow, if you have change coming back to you, uh, you have the option to verify that it really is your change address because that's like a, a, I don't know if common is the right word, but it's a possible attack vector. Uh, yeah, 100%. Right? Yeah. Where like the hacker is clever enough to say, oh, here's your transaction. Your payment is is really going to go to who you're trying to pay. Right. But all that return change that you're expecting to come back to your wallet, um, I'm just going to redirect that yeah. over here. Yeah, especially right? with a max spend. That's, yeah, yeah that's exactly, worst. exactly. And so we can verify that it really is your change address, but you have to stop and, and load in all the XPubs for your multi-sig wallet. Gotcha. Um, or you can skip verifying, but... Obviously, it's not it's not recommended. Not the best way to go. Yeah, yeah. fascinating. Yeah, super interested in and like what I told you before we got started. Just like and you said a little earlier, just the education part of it. Just like all these intricacies, uh, especially about multisig. I may have the benefit of knowing because of what I do, you know, on a day to day. But the majority of people don't. Yeah, right? because cold storage is still, you know, like a one and done type deal. People set it up. They put them away in their safes or whatever, and they just don't come back to it. They don't yeah. play around with it. A lot of people still don't realize Bitcoin lives on addresses, <laughs> right? They still, like you said earlier, oh, it's on the device. Yeah. It's not. And I think with tools like the Seed Signer, a person or a group of people can empower themselves to actually learn the intricacies of how this works. And... In pretty much a testnet in, in environment, I mean, it's not testnet, but you, you shouldn't be putting a bunch of Bitcoin and, and playing around. You can play around with something small and be able to do that. Um, and what I'm more fast, just to double up on that, what I'm really fascinated on is I love the QR experience. Mm. I think, you know, whenever I can, you know, pull out a QR code and scan something, especially when it's Bitcoin related, um, still feel a little weird about trusting it sometimes because you never know when your camera or the software is pulling something on you. Um, but yeah, nobody wants to type in addresses. Nobody wants to copy and paste addresses, right? Um, so this communication that you highlighted with that flow between like, I scan, comes in, turn this thing around, scan, goes back. I think that's an amazing workflow. Yeah. yeah and, you know, for for the average person, you're not going to like dig into what is actually being displayed in the QR code. But if you really wanted to, you can verify what's being transmitted in the QR code because yeah. it's 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 just text encoded in a QR. Right. So there are a lot of tools that have nothing to do with Bitcoin that you can you could like you could literally take your your cell phone, turn on the camera and just have it read what's on the seed signer screen yeah. as a QR code. And nice. I mean you have to be a little more advanced to understand like what does the string of numbers mean? Right. Um but, but like especially for the um for having your seed, we call it the seed QR format. Yeah. So when your seed is encoded in this QR, the default format, I mean, okay, don't scan it with your phone because your phone's connected to the internet sure, and this yeah. thing is your, your seed. Right. But if you're in a real pinch, you know, turn off Wi-Fi on your phone, put it in airplane mode. Sure. You can scan the seed QR and you'll get a string of numbers. Yeah. What do these string of numbers mean? If you take them four at a time, 
the number might be, you know, 1292, yep. the first four numbers. Yep. You go to the BIP39 word list. There's 2048 possible words that make up these mnemonic phrases. Yep. And whatever number I just had, 1292, will be on that list. That's the first word of your seed that's been encoded in this QR code. Wow. All right. And so with, you could lose a seed signer. Our project could be deleted off of GitHub. And you can still recover your seed from this QR code because it's just chunks of numbers that you can, you can look up in the, in the word list. Yeah. So there's no, there's no lock-in. You're never trapped into our ecosystem. Right. Again, the whole idea is portability. Yeah. But you just gave the bad actor the idea to steal somebody's <laughs> Yeah, well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and, but also portable in the other direction. So I said that I have my seed signer acting as my old hardware wallets because yep. it's loading their, those hardware wallets' private key. Yeah. But it works the other way. I can create a new seed in seed signer and then initialize a new ledger with that. Sure. And so now the ledger is acting as if it was the seed I just created. Well, it is the seed I just created on, on yeah. Seed Signer. It's interchangeable. Yeah, that's smart. Um, you just brought up something that I didn't even think about. Are you guys worried about getting removed from GitHub? That's a thing that can happen, right? Yeah, I mean, it's owned by Microsoft. It's a private company. Right. Are you guys worried about that? Not worried. Um, Is there like any redundancies in place for that? Well, so Git, so Git is the... Um, the actual method sure. of coordinating uh, code changes. Right. GitHub is just, you know, one online portal that implements it. Makes it look fancy. Right, right. Yeah. But at, at the end of the day, anybody who's worked on a project like SeedSigner, they've, the, the verb is cloned. They've cloned yep. the GitHub repo down to their machine. And the way Git works is that you clone a full copy. Yeah. And so... <clears throat> from that perspective, I've got a full copy on my laptop. Seed Center has a full copy on his home machine. Nick has a full copy. Other people who've right. made contributions have a full copy. So, I mean, yeah, we would lose that, um, you know, that rallying point, that gathering point. Sure. And, and other things like um, when you're discussing like issues and bug fixes, those don't come with. Gotcha. Um, but the code itself, the changes, the commit history, that's all... We have perfect copies of those with everyone in, involved in the project. Yeah. Um, so same with Bitcoin Core. Anybody who's worked on Bitcoin Core has cloned the full Git history of of Core, or at least whatever's on uh, whatever's on GitHub. Sure. Um, so you know, it, I, I did look a little bit into um, like creating like a mirror repo and, and those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, we have a little bit of a luxury of not being a terribly controversial project. Yeah, yeah. Unless Bitcoin itself becomes like this this toxic thing that yeah. governments try to go out of their way to, to destroy. Well, um, I can imagine, I mean, and that's <clears throat> you could maybe give me more about this and we could lean into El Salvador real quick. Um, Jebby was telling me that C-Signer has actually made an impact in, in parts of the world where, you know, you can't just go to Amazon and get stuff delivered to you. Uh, I believe he said India, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, or maybe I read on that. Like, how have you seen Seed uh, Signer impact other parts of the world that is not as developed as us? Yeah, well, e even setting aside the not as developed part, there's kind of two dimensions. Um, so I, I think what Jevy might have been referring to was somebody messaged Seed Signer from the Middle East. Yep. And he said, 
if I tried to order a hardware wallet from, you know, Ledger, Trezor, Cold Card, sure. it just would never arrive to me. Like, you know, either through corruption or customs or whatever, right? right? It just would not get delivered. And it would put this guy on a list of people known to be interested in Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and it would be dangerous for him to be on that list. So all bad. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but he said with Seed Signer, he was able to buy a Raspberry Pi Zero and the little display and the camera and 3D print his own case. And nobody has any idea that those parts are for Bitcoin because yeah. like, they could be for anything. If, if you want to build a robot, you can buy a little Raspberry Pi board. Sure. You know, there's nothing wrong with building a robot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. So, uh, so in that in that sense, it's a big help yeah. in that it doesn't, it doesn't turn you into a target. Right. Or, or even for, you know, like people in the U.S., Ledger's marketing email list has been hacked, right? Yeah. So name, address, phone number, right? They know that you're, a, that you're into crypto sure. at least, yeah. right? And it makes you a target. Right. It's dangerous for you. Sure. Uh, I think Trezor may have had a similar marketing list uh, leak. And so, yeah, if you buy a commercial product through a traditional sales channel where they're collecting your personal information, right. it is exposing you to a little more risk. Um, but then for the less developed countries, like the average income, as far as I understand, the average monthly income in El Salvador is $500 a month. Wow. And so, yes, we're pushing Bitcoin. We're pushing them to understand how it works. And- you know, it's it, it's a challenge for them, understandably, to like save any significant money, right? I mean, if you're living at break even or below, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm just going to set aside a hundred dollars for Bitcoin today. Like, right. that, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's there's all different strata of society in El Salvador. Like, so the the adopting Bitcoin conference was last week in San Salvador, and just driving around San Salvador, if you ignore that the signs are in Spanish, yep. you could easily believe like, oh, I'm in Atlanta, I'm in Cleveland, sure. I'm in Columbus, you know. Um, it just, it looks like a modern city. You know, oh, look, there's a Honda driving by. You, yeah. you know, like it, just, it, just, it just feels normal. Yeah, yeah. So obviously they're, they're, they have a higher standard of living. They're making more money. They're part of, you know, whatever financial center or whatever business is, is going on in in San Salvador, but then you go to El Zante, which is a poor beach town. Yeah. And there's, you know, it's, it's a dirt, formerly cobblestone road. <laughs> like Yikes. the stones are kind of still there, mm -hmm. but they're more like ankle twisters than a road. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's like neighborhood dogs just roaming the, the beach. There's kind of like Puerto Rico. Some oh, okay. Of, yeah, some parts of Puerto Rico. Yeah. yeah. There's chickens walking around. Yeah. There's like um, structures that are basically like two by fours and, um, you know, corrugated, you know, sheet metal. Yeah. Um, and then right next to that, there's a luxury hotel that's $500 a night, you know, because it's on the beach. Right. And, and so there's just this wild contrast. But anyway, it, in a place like El Salvador, you know, you've got Hope House in El Zante, where it's, it's just the this, this center of gravity of training um, uh, for, for people. And for somewhere like that, Seed Signer is perfect because it's stateless, right? You can use the same Seed Signer 
to train people about Bitcoin. Like, what is an XPUB? How do I create a cold wallet? How do I sign transactions? You can do that with class after class after class after class with the, you know, the same device and just pull the power each time, reset it. Yeah. It's blank. It's ready for the next class. Whereas like, if you try to do that with, you know, you can do it with Ledger, Trezor, Cold Card, but right. it's going to take more effort and it's going to cost more to buy those units. Yeah. And then when those people leave that training class and they're like, okay, I get it. I'm sold. I think I've got enough income that I can start saving in Bitcoin. I want to do self-custody. How do I buy one of these hardware wallets? And then they say, well, that one's $80. That one's $120. That one's $150 or, you know, whatever it is, right? Yeah. There, there's a range. Sure. Um, you know, I think maybe the cheapest treasure is like 60. So it's not quite as bad. Yeah. But it's still like, you know, I, I talked to one uh, Salvadoran. Um, he, he was running like a pop-up, you know, uh, uh, vendor cart. Yeah. Um, selling things I think, you know, his grandma made or whatever. Sure. And he said he had, he had saved $200 of Ethereum and Bitcoin. And, you know, like, that's a big deal. Sure. You know, he was like a 24-year-old guy. Um, and, you know, good, good for him. But he's not going to spend $100 of that to buy a hardware wallet. Right. So what we're hoping is that we can make it so that Anybody can buy a seed signer for super cheap. So we are in the middle of R&D to shift to a different hardware platform that is not suffering from the same supply chain constraints. And we've already designed a custom circuit board around this system. And so we think we can get the cost down dramatically by you know, making our own circuit board, cutting out all the fat, cutting out all the middlemen, yeah, we got to print it in China, um, but then have some control of our own supply chain so that the chips, the actual processors are like under our control and, and you know, the, the Chinese plant isn't burning like evil firmware into it or, yeah, or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, we think, I, I don't want to give a price point. I've said the price point in person. Yes, yes. And I won't <laughs> but say I, I don't, don't want to be on the record for saying a price That's point. That's fine, yeah. Um, but it it would be revolutionary. It'll, it would be the right. cheapest hardware market, a hardware wallet on the market by far, um, with the exception of Jade. Jade came onto the market at $40. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I think now it's $50. Um, but not only will it be, hopefully, not only will we hopefully be the cheapest hardware wallet out there, I personally think it's the best hardware wallet. I think yeah. it's the best user experience. I think you learn the most by using it, just the way the screens are structured and what they show you and what they teach you. But the fact that you can share this extremely cheap hardware wallet with your family, with your friends, with your neighbors, yeah, we can take them to Hope House. And we, we've kind of had in mind, like in the old days, you go to the bank and like you're filling out paperwork and there's the, the pens yeah. on a chain, yeah. you know, tied to the little desk, yeah, right? A seed signer could be like that where you could go to Hope House and they've got five, six, you know, 10 of the things. And, you know, if you really needed to, you could use it to like sign your transactions. Yeah. Um, Badass. And then hopefully you can eventually afford to buy one yourself and share it with, you know, a number of people. Yeah. So like one person with a seed signer becomes a force multiplier where everyone in their orbit now has access to real Bitcoin, you know, uh, self-custody. Yeah. Whereas 
in the current hardware wallet world, you buy one Jade, Trezor, Cold Card, Ledger, whatever, and you've got one person <laughs> who has one key yeah. that they can control now. And, you know, so even if you, you know, imagine like advanced users, like somebody's ready to do multi-sig in El Salvador. Right. Awesome. Maybe it's a business, right? And it's like, you've got three uh, principles in your company yeah. and you're making enough revenue to start saving in Bitcoin. But like, you know, hey, I started this business with you. I trust you, but you're not going to be the only one that holds our Bitcoin key, <laughs> yeah, damn it, right? right? Yeah. We're going to do a multi-sig. Yeah. Um, and again, we just need to get one seed signer and we just pass it between, you know, the three of us, us business owners. Um, and yeah. we can, we can control our, our company funds. Without colluding against each other. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. So what's, um, I don't know if you're even uh, able to say, but what's that time frame for what you're thinking when you guys get that R&D done oh. and get it out? You know, if I wasn't a month into not being able to solve the current problem at all, <laughs> I would give a different answer. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would like... My optimism is like draining away. It's like, it's like killing my soul <laughs> that like I'm just stuck in the mud. Yeah. You know, like programmers are like sharks. If we stop swimming, we die. <laughs> you know, like I have yeah. not swam forward yeah. in weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and it's killing me. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's literally the last big piece to unlock. Okay. And once we unlock it, then I can start sprinting like crazy and adopting the code and, and making this happen. Yeah. We've already done a, a test print of this custom board yeah. um, that we think we can manufacture for cheap. The board totally doesn't work. There's <laughs> problems with it all over the place, but that's to be expected. Sure. And it, it's kind of ideal because um, the hardware guy, and, and we're all volunteers, by the way. This is an open source project. Good point. There's no company behind it. Mm -hmm. Um. And so, so when I say the hardware guy, it's like a guy with skills that can make a custom circuit board who's volunteering his time because he thinks the project is cool. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to be fair, if we get to where we think we, we we're going to get to, which is selling a retail product, you know, basically competing directly with cold card, ledger, treasure, jade, at that point, it's probably going to make sense to have some sort of corporate entity to handle those sales. Sure. Maybe it's a nonprofit, right? Because yeah. like our goal is to get as many of these into places like El Salvador, Palestine, Africa, you know, as we can. Yeah. So like, you know, we've talked to every Bitcoin VC that's yeah. out there. Oh, every, like there's so many, right? right we've right, talked yeah. to the handful of Bitcoin VCs out there and they're all awesome, like good Bitcoiners that get it. Yeah. And they're excited about the project. But we're like, we want to sell these things as close to cost as we can into El Salvador. And yeah, we'll upcharge Americans, right? Yeah, yeah 100%. Like your price is 80 bucks. Yeah. El Salvador's price is, you know, a quarter of that. Or sure, one, yeah, right? makes sense. Um, but it's still not a, a money-making, you know, yeah. powerhouse. Difficult, yeah. Right. Term revenue on it, yeah. Yeah, and so we're trying to, you know, this is all, and, and there's a couple Bitcoin companies slash open source projects that are in this boat where we're trying to like find a new path. You know, we're, how do you sell a product for a profit as an open source project yeah. that doesn't want to be a for-profit corporation? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like there's yeah. all these weird ingredients that yeah. just kind of don't make sense. And we're just going to have to find our way. Yeah. Um, 
like one of my sales pitches that that will be coming to Unchained Capital when we're ready. Let's go. And someone there better damn well say yes to this because it's a great freaking idea. Is we're making custom boards anyway, right? Yeah. So as part of you know Unchained's commitment to this ecosystem and just wanting like the publicity win of like you know getting into El Salvador and whatever else. Sure. You know, imagine that Unchained does an order of we're going to buy ten thousand seed signers. Yeah. We want 5,000 of them in a custom case that has the Unchained logo on it. Yeah. And when you turn it on, it says Seed Signer by Unchained Capital or, or vice versa, Dope, yeah. right? Like oh, a co-branded yeah. experience in the device. And the code itself is already really flexible where we can change the user flows based on the settings configuration. And so we can even make it so that out of the box, it only supports the user flows that Unchained cares about for its users. Wow. Only multi-sig, no passphrase, yeah. you know, native SegWit or Taproot when you're ready to get there, yeah. right? And so th there's not, the, the user doesn't have to be faced with any of these questions. It's amazing, yeah. Right? And then the other 5,000 units that Unchained funds, those are like the, the, the cheapest possible builds that go to El Salvador. Yeah. Right? So you get the PR win, you get a cool signing device that you can hand out to your customers, co-branded. Yeah. It's like win, 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 right? I think so, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that, that, that'd be really cool, yeah. I can't wait, man. I'm excited for what you guys got going on. I'm already excited about the product as it is. I'm going to grab one after yeah, and, this conversation. And I, I always insist right now, yeah. we don't call it a product. Oh, okay. Companies sell products. Mm. We are an open source project. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So the project, I am excited about the project. Then I'm yeah. going to clean that up. Um, one more question before you can let... Uh, the listeners know where they can get their seed signers or anything else. Um, or two, two. Let's go with two. El Salvador. How was El Salvador? I think you're the first person I know that I've talked to in person that's been there. Yeah. So uh, it was, I didn't know what to expect. Right. And, and the week started off at the conference in San Salvador. The conference is almost exclusively in English. They had, they had translator headsets for the, oh, nice. the Spanish speakers. Um. And the, the best thing for within the conference was that there were so many European Bitcoiners I'd never met because they can't travel to the U.S. if they don't have proof of vaccination and sure. all of that, and, or the plenty of that refused to. Yeah. And so I got down there and I'm meeting all these people that like I haven't encountered at, at, a, at a conference before. I'm like, sure. oh, this is great. Because it's, nice. yeah. it's just like, I've only been to an American conference. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway... You know, so that wasn't like a real picture of, of El Salvador. Yeah. Although, like I said, San Salvador was surprisingly just a modern city. Nice. Like, period. Yeah. You know, no, no asterisks or, or exceptions or anything. It's just, it's a modern city. Uber works. You just nice. Uber everywhere. And the prices are like less than half of what you'd be used to paying. Oh, wow. Sweet. So we were staying uh, like in a suburb 15 minutes outside of San Salvador and, you know, 15 minutes, 20, 30 minutes with traffic. Sure. The Uber rides were like 550. Wow. Right. Like, and then, you know, the, the tipping options, it's like $1, $2, $3. I'm like, I'm going max tip every time. Yeah, like, right. you know, like, <laughs> and, and then, oh, then yeah. for these guys, like getting a $3 tip, like that. That's like, a win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sweet. And I had just come from LA at, for, from a Pacific Bitcoin conference. Right. And I was Ubering all over LA. And I'm like, oh, $45 here, $50 there. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm freaking going broke, just, you know, driving around LA and in, in the back of an Uber. Yeah. Um, 
and then we get to El Sante and I, uh, the most surprising thing to me was, was the rich resorts, right. the rich hotels. Right. Um, I didn't realize that somebody had said that El Zante is basically like a resort town for the rich, even before the Bitcoin thing happened. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I get. It's a beautiful place. It's right on the beach. You know, good, good place to learn how to surf. Sure. I'm afraid of drowning. I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't partake. I'm with you. <laughs> um, and then the experience of trying to use Bitcoin in El Salvador was, again, it was about what you'd expect. Like, it's not 100%. Yeah. There are, there's like a couple of people that were like angry when you asked, like, oh, oh you know, okay. accept the Bitcoin? Yeah, and yeah. he's like, no. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Right, get that <laughs> like, stuff out of here. I'm going to ask everyone, but yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, I didn't, I didn't mean to touch a nerve there, you know? Right. Um, or or uh, I, I, I tweeted a photo. I was in line for a, a breakfast diner. Yeah. And there's a sign sticking out from the wall. It says, Aceptamos Bitcoin or, you yeah. know, whatever it says, right? Sure. I get up to the cashier and same question, you know, or puedo pagar con Bitcoin. Yeah. Right? Can I pay with Bitcoin? And, and the woman says, you know, cash or card. And I look back at the line and it's a long ass line behind me. I'm like, okay. And I just take out my visa card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm not going to slow down this line. This woman obviously either doesn't know how to transact in Bitcoin or she right. can't be bothered. Right. Uh, we went to a bar and um, uh, the hardware guy that yeah. we work with, he'd been to that bar like night after night after night. Every time he's like talking to all the servers, talking to the, the person working the, the register. Do you take Bitcoin? Do you take Bitcoin? <laughs> and, and they're like, no, 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 no. And then uh, we went there and it was, it was my turn to, to pick up the tab. He goes to the bathroom. I asked the girl, hey, can I, can I pay in Bitcoin? And she's like, see. And she goes over to the manager who's on a laptop. Yeah. And she's just waiting for him to finish. And he's like answering like five emails while we're just standing <laughs> there, right? He's finally done. And he goes and he logs into Ibex. And then that's how they, they finally process my payment. But my, the hardware guy, he comes out of the bathroom and he's like, what's going on? I'm like, they said they take Bitcoin. He's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I've been here for weeks and they've been telling me no. Talking to the wrong person. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. So, and, and his Spanish is better than mine. Sure. So he's talking to the girl. He's like, what's the story? You know, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you've yeah. been telling me no all this time. Yeah. And she's like, oh, well, the manager's here. Ah. And he's got the login to Ibex. Gotcha. So he's the runway. Yeah. yeah. That. But, but they don't have like a point of sale that they can just like flick on and, and pull up an invoice. I'm surprised. Ibex has pretty good point of sale. I'm surprised. It. I, I, I'm sure they do, yeah, but yeah. like this bar didn't was, have it. Either didn't know, or you know, I think they even have an app that like the server probably could have had That's what on I mean, her yeah. phone. Yeah, but I'm I'm assuming maybe the bar had to in, like incur charges for like a tablet or a phone or something that they could yeah. run there, and maybe they didn't want to do that. That's yeah. interesting, actually. But and this is not uh, El Salvador, of course, is here in Austin. But um, I through Oshi, I paid for a haircut with Bitcoin. And when I called, the dude was like, I don't know what the hell you talk about, man. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> and I was like, but I, I already paid for it. And I have like the code. It took from one of the guys that was paying attention to the manager to basically say, oh, yeah, I know what it is. But it was still wonky because it was like the guy who owns the barbershop, he's not there. But their barbers could take a picture of my phone. Mm. And then send that picture to the guy. And then the guy would pay them out in fiat or in, you know, in Bitcoin if they wanted uh, so similar to that experience, I can see where like some shop owners are maybe not good at educating, yeah. but they still make the decision to accept it. Yeah. So right, I, right. I can see where that happening. And, you know, I mean, El Salvador is more than just 
does each vendor accept Bitcoin or not? Yeah. Right. And I, I really, I really did enjoy like, so whenever I, I would talk to like, I, w- I was looking for gifts for my nieces and my sister. Sure. I'm like, I got to knock out their birthdays and Christmas right now. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah nice. <laughs> for a third of the price. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So every time there was like, um, you know, some handmade crafts or jewelry or, or whatever, yeah. I, I'd go and I'd, I'd look and I found that my Spanish is a lot better than I thought it was. Nice. And that was just barely conversational. Um, and I really enjoyed like talking to the vendors and, and just, you know, just being able to practice my Spanish and just, you know, connecting them as people. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's for my nieces, but, you know, I don't know their fashion sense and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. they're, they're giving me their recommendations. Yeah. Um, but then just seeing their attitudes about Bitcoin and, you know, how quickly they're like, oh, see, you know, no problem. Yeah. And then sometimes they're like, um, like in some cases they had to go ask their friend working mm. at the, the next door, you know, little shop. Yeah. And, you know, I guess they settled up between the two of them yeah, after yeah, the fact. Yeah, yeah. Right? Sense, yeah. And, um, you know, I almost felt bad because I'm like, you know, realistically, they're just getting U.S. dollars at the end, other end of this transaction anyway. Sure. Yeah. Like I could just, you know, pop the visa card down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah. And then seeing the work that, me Premier Bitcoin is doing. Yeah. Shout out to Ronnie. He's like the the coolest dude I met on nice. this trip. Uh he uh works with Me Premier Bitcoin. Um and also uh you know we got down to to Hope House. Yeah. And with with both of those organizations we ran seed center workshops. And it was like so I did two of the workshops and those are like two of the the proudest moments of my life. Yeah. Because it's just a cool thing. You know, I went to this, I came to this this country I knew nothing about and they were interested in Seed Signer. They, you know, me Premier Bitcoin set up these hands-on workshops. Um, Seed Signer, the man, was the device mule. Yeah. <laughs> he came down to El Salvador <laughs> with like 80-something Seed Signers in his luggage. Nice. And, you know, dragged them down to El Salvador, left every single one of them in the country. Nice. The me Premier Bitcoin workshop was hands-on with a seed center and they went home with it. Nice. Paid for by donors out in, in Bitcoin Twitter. Um, it's amazing. And it was just such a cool experience because like they're eager to learn and the classes were all 100% in Spanish. Yeah. And so like I'm sweating it because yeah. I'm like, oh man, I studied Spanish in, you know, from like fifth grade through high school and I haven't used it since. Yeah. You know, and, and like, I'm just so rusty. Um, Never mind Bitcoin lingo. Right, right. right. <laughs> but but yeah. it turns out when you're doing a workshop and all you're doing is standing up there giving instructions. Yeah. That's not that hard. Yeah. Because like, I struggle to, I struggle to hear Spanish. Like, okay. I, it's just, my ears are crap. I can't, yeah. I can't decode the syllables that I'm, that are coming at me. Sure. And they're always coming too fast. A hundred percent. Nobody who speaks Spanish understands when I say like, you know, lentamente, por favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're going to go at 100. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, one, 109 instead of 110 speed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when you're just giving instructions, you're not messing with confusing verb tenses. Yeah. You know, I don't have to worry about past tense, future tense, sure. you know, all this other stuff. And for something like something like Seed Signer, there's, there's only so many operations that you're doing and yeah. only so many technical terms. Like your 
key on your seed signer as to Yave. Yeah. Great. I know the word Yave. Yeah. Okay. Your public key su Yave privada. Yeah. Okay. Or publica. Publica, or, yeah. Pri, publica, privada, right? Public, private. Yeah. Uh, send your Bitcoin and VR. Yeah. Great. I got that. Nice. Transaction. Don't even have to Google that one. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So you know, are easy. And, 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 and on and on, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you kind of figure out how to work out, uh, work robar into a sentence when you're talking about like the risks. If, yep. if you leave these, this, you know, these words sitting <laughs> out like, tus, tus uh, doce palabras. Yeah. Right? Nice. Um, That's good, man. So yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't that hard. Yeah. And I always had, uh, you know, somebody from me, Premier Bitcoin, or, you know, from like the, the, the person teaching the kids to be there so I could like start a sentence and I could, I, you know, I'm, I'm killing the sentence. I know exactly how to form it and then I hit a word that I don't know. Yeah. And then I'll just be like, um, you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they'll help me finish it. Sure. That's awesome, uh, man. Yeah. yeah. So you're bullish on El Salvador. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's, there's a lot of work to do. Sure. And it's hard. Yeah. You know, so at the session that we did at Hope House was, it was like 20-something teenagers uh, bust in from some town far in the north of the country that I can't pronounce. Yeah. And I think for all of them, it was the first time they'd ever been to the beach. Wow. Because they're, they're, it's a three-hour bus ride. Sure. And, you know, it, it's a poor town is, sure. is my understanding. Yeah. So they don't have, their families don't have the means to be like, hey, kids, let's hop in the car that we probably don't have and go for a weekend at the beach with time that we can't afford to be away from work. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> but that was also the part of the pressure. I'm like, wait, these kids have never been to the beach and you're going to sit them down to like a technical presentation. <laughs> all they want to do is go out there and have fun. Yeah, right, like, right. We got to keep this short and light, guys. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Good call. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Great. But, but yeah, I mean, that challenge, like, and, you know, like we want them to understand Bitcoin and understanding things like private keys, public keys, XPubs, transactions, signatures. Like right. th those are all key parts of Bitcoin. But given where they're growing up and their economic opportunities, right. it's going to be a long time before they can even think about actually doing any sort of self-custody because right. they're just not going to have any Bitcoin wealth to be able to accumulate sure. right now. So, I mean, there is part of me that's like, yes, this is valuable education and experience, but it's in some ways premature because it, it's, it's too far ahead of the curve where, where they're at just economically. Yeah. And, and it, it's a big technical lift to absorb, you know, all this information. Um, and yeah, to ask that of them when it's like, so, you know, in 10 years from now, when you can start accumulating more wealth or, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't sure. know the, the financial prospects there, but you know, again, if, if the average monthly income is $500 and that's across the entire country. Right. So that includes the more well-off people living in San Salvador. Sure. Right. So maybe they're making 700 a month on yeah. average. And then in these poor beach towns and other way, other areas, it's more like two fifty or three hundred a month. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, um, so not much to spend on Bitcoin, if yeah. any at all. Yeah, right. Or maybe as a you know, if they accumulate a savings, they could use it as a savings mechanism. Yeah, as but intended. Yep. on the plus side, like these vendors, you know, these uh, artisans and yep. jewelry makers, um, they have like 
Instagram accounts, they have Twitter accounts. And so, okay, they can, they can advertise their, their craft. Yep. Great. But before Bitcoin, how would you from the US buy any of their work? Right? Yeah. If, if whatever the stat was like 60% of El Salvador didn't have a bank account. Yeah. Well, that means you don't have a business banking structure that can accept visa payments from anyone. Right. You know, so yeah. like, how do you conduct business other than hand-to-hand cash transactions? Right. But so for, for each vendor that I, I bought something from, if, if it was handmade, I tried to get a picture of them with their stand. Yeah. And if they had like Instagram or anything else, get, get that information. Because now if they, you know, tweet out or post something that someone likes, you can, you can just say like, hey, you know, give me a lightning invoice. Yeah. I'll pay it and, and add in, enough to, to ship it to me. Yeah. And boom, just as fast as it was face to face. Right. We can do a lightning transaction, you know, based on I really liked your Instagram post. Right. You know, and it's just, that just creates opportunity that they wouldn't have had without Bitcoin there. Absolutely. That's a, uh, Jack Mahler's usually uh, kind of ponders on that point, which is like, you could just use it as a railway to transfer, yeah. right? And then they could still get it as fiat on the back yeah. end and still conduct their business or they could store it, but you're using the railways of Bitcoin to yeah. be able to, yeah, that's and, and amazing. Actually, I didn't even notice um, this girl, Gabby, that mm-hmm. I bought a, a bracelet from, she, I don't know if she meant to do it, yeah. But in my strike uh, receipt for that transaction, it yeah. says Gabby received $7 of USDT. So I don't know if, if she like intentionally wanted to receive it as tether dollars. Yeah. But that's what she got. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I, I sent her a lightning transaction and, and she got tether out. And yeah. As long as she's happy with that, good for her. Uh, yeah, I can see where that's very helpful um, in those places. Not helpful here. Um, I hate receiving anything on my strike app. I just yeah. think it's like, I once uh, had somebody send Bitcoin to the strike app and they held the funds for two days oh. and they gave it to me in fiat, literally yeah. eliminating the point of it being a Bitcoin transaction. Yeah. Um, so I love strike out, mm-hmm. hate strike in. Yep. I think it's just a bad experience. But that idea of like, all right, well, maybe you don't care about Bitcoin. Maybe it's not important to you, but we can eliminate all the barriers in between us, transfer value across each other, and I can do it in Bitcoin that I love, and you can receive it in currency that you need. Yeah. I think that's amazing. It's yeah. just one of those things. So, um, all right, El Salvador, last question. What has you excited on Bitcoin? What are you looking forward to next few next few months, next year? Yeah, well... Um you know, I, I'm sure that any, any normies in your life were like messaging you over the last couple of weeks, like, Hey, you okay, man? Everything good? <laughs> you worried about this? I'm solid. Right? Yeah. Right. Because this is a, you know, for context, yeah, yeah. we're like still learning about the shit show yeah. that is FTX. Yeah. Uh, whenever that crumbled two weeks ago or something. Some of that strange story. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah, I had, I had people reaching out to me like that. Yeah. And I'm like, like, you don't understand. Bitcoiners right now, we feel for the people who are getting hurt by this. Sure. But really, because we're also kind of assholes, like yeah. we're, we're elated. Yeah. Because we're right. It, yeah. it proved us right. We've been saying, not your keys, not your coins for years. We've been screaming at everyone. Yeah. Don't mess with the stupid yield, all of that. Just get your value off of the exchange. Don't have it in any third party's hands. Self-custody. Yeah. And they're all like, oh, but I get to make 
20% yield. Ha ha ha. I'm going to get rich. And yeah. you know, you, you stupid Bitcoiners yeah. wrecked. wrecked, totally wrecked. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I don't want to like gloat too hard. Cause yeah. again, like lots and lots of people got very, very horribly hurt by this. Yeah. And, yeah. and I do feel for them. Indeed. And a lot of them are noobs who don't, just don't know enough to know like sure. what risk they were putting themselves in. So I, I genuinely feel for them. Yeah, same here. Um, but I think this is just the healthiest thing possible for Bitcoin. Like you've got to flush out this nonsense. And yeah, like reading the media right now is terrible because they can't distinguish in their mind. Yeah. Like, like articles will literally just swap Bitcoin and crypto in every other sentence, yeah. right? They just, they don't fun. care. Yeah. Um, crypto did this. Bitcoin lost 10%. Crypto this. Bitcoin that. Yeah. Right? Um, but they'll, they'll eventually figure it out. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll be to the game late. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just be proven right 10 years from now. No yeah. worries. Um, but it's, it's just, it's so healthy for Bitcoin. It is. Like, it, we're just going to be able to draw such a clear distinction in the asset itself, how it behaves, how it, it, I almost said how it's managed. Yeah. That, that's like sacrilege. No, how, yeah. <laughs> how it, how it exists. Yeah. How it perpetuates itself. Yeah. How it, it's a, a self-running uh, um, machine of balanced selfish incentives, right. right? The game theory works in, in all directions versus the culture and the poison of the shitcoin casinos sure. and the ridiculous imaginary yield. All of that, burn it to the ground. I hope that the people who got burned by that learn from it. I hope that they can recover from it. And I hope they learn the lesson. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a big chunk of the people that are just like, well, the next time Bitcoin pumps, here we go, baby. Yeah. Back in the shitcoin casino. Yeah. I'm going to make 100x. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, even if it's just 10% of the people who got wrecked, we just minted. 10% new Bitcoiners uh, through this experience. Yeah, yeah. They got to go get themselves a seed sign. That's what they got to do. Damn straight. <laughs> Damn straight. Uh, and uh, to quote Parker lately, uh, where he, he's been talking about the Texas hedged. I don't know if you know what, what he means by that, but basically there's a story behind it. But what Texas hedged means is when you write about something, you double down on it. Right? <laughs> and us Bitcoiners, we're so damn right that we're Texas hedged all across the board. We just know the right way to do it. Yeah. Um, Keith, I appreciate you, man. This has been a fascinating and awesome conversation. To think that, I don't know, nine hours ago we just met or something like that. <laughs> it's really cool, man. But, hey, you're, uh, you're, you're my bud now. Absolutely good, sir. <laughs> um, let the people know where they can pick up a seed signer, where they can follow you, anywhere you want to send them. So the best way to get a seed signer is the hardest, which is find the damn parts yourself. Yeah. No trust involved. No, no third party, you know, any of that. But since it is difficult... If you're comfortable with the trade-off, you can go to the seedcenter.com website and there is a link to a store where you can buy kits. And I think you have the option of getting just the pieces for the kit or getting it fully assembled. It's not that hard to assemble, but okay. it's up to you, I think. Um, and the trade-off being you're trusting Seed Signer the man. He's the one sourcing these Raspberry Pis packaging them up. Uh, he, he solders um, the, 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 the one component that you have to solder onto it himself. Yeah. So he's like 
I think he said he can do 10 a day and then yeah. it's like it, the fumes and everything else yeah. are too much. His eyes start going blurry. Yeah. Um, but you are trusting him. Yeah. And that's not, that's not the way that we like to do things in Bitcoin. Right. And so he's made them available, but you shouldn't trust him. Yeah. <laughs> and I he says that. it himself. I love that. Right? Yeah. Um, but if you do want to trust him, and I mean... I'm exaggerating here, right? Just no, right, to make right. the point. Yeah, yeah. I trust him. I would have no qualms buying one from him. Yeah. But you shouldn't trust me either, right? <laughs> None <'Cause>, of us. Because <laughs> this, this is just, this is like the, the, the two cup con game here now, right? right. Like, like he, uh, I, I'm shilling for him so that he can, he can, he can uh, rob you. Um, but no, so the Seed Center website has a link to a store where you can order a kit. Okay. The online store, it's like a square shop. It takes all your personal info and a credit card. Yeah. Also bad. Also bad. So if you DM Seed Signer on Twitter, you can set up a peer-to-peer Bitcoin Lightning transaction. Sweet. And obviously you still have to send him a mailing address, but that's just in your DMs. He mails it out and then you're trusting him to wipe your address. Sure. But that's better than putting it through the square shop that is managed by somebody, some corporate infrastructure. Sure. Makes kind of sense. Um, and so follow at Seed Signer on Twitter. That's the man and the project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm at Keith Mukai. Um, I'm doxxed. My face is always visible. I don't, I don't wear, you know, any disguise when I go to conferences. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I think that's also part of the, like, weirdly, Bitcoin is about not requiring trust. Yeah. But by doing things like this face-to-face, right. we build real world human trust. Absolutely. And yeah, I could be like a, a psychopath who's just lying to you right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? And, and say like, yeah, I'm so trustworthy. You know, right, I have so right. much fun, right? Um, but no, like I, I've really put a lot of value in in the face-to-face meetings I've had with with other Bitcoiners. Yeah. I'm like, I like that I don't have to trust you. Yeah. But I do trust you. And, right. And that's important to me. Right. You have to be able to decipher that for yourself. Yeah. Right? And every interaction. Yeah, absolutely. And then we do have a Seed Signer Telegram group. It's linked on the website somewhere. Um, so if you have any questions. And we just today created a uh, Seed Signer and Espanol Telegram group. Sweet. Because um, oh, yeah. we already had Spanish speakers in the Telegram group, but we just figured like it, it's just better to, you know, keep, keep those conversations uh, yeah. with the native speakers. Yeah. And so the hardware guy, Joe, he goes by a couple different names, so I was afraid to use his name. Yeah. But I remembered he did register in the Telegram group as Joe. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's safe to say Joe. Yeah. Um, he's the one who's more fluent in Spanish. Okay. So he's one of the administrators in the, the Seed Signer and Espanol group. Yeah. Um, but I'm also using it as a way to like keep practicing my Spanish. So now I'm reading, you know, more That's and more Spanish. Yeah. Right. And, right, right, and just right. getting the practice. Um, and trying to respond in Spanish. But if you're, if you look in that group, it'll be like, here's the sentence in Spanish. And then I just, I just gave up on this word. And I just wrote it in English, yeah, yeah. you know, and then, and then I finished in yeah, Spanish. Yeah. We call that Spanglish. Yeah. Right. 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 Cause like I, I could Google it. I could look it up, but like, you know, I'm just trying to answer a quick question in, in Telegram yeah. and nothing's quick when I'm writing in Spanish yeah, you know, yeah, already. Yeah. So the effort is important though. That's good. Yeah. And then like, um, seed sign of the man. He said, I don't know if I'm doxing any personal details. He said he was one class away in college from getting a Spanish minor. So when he told me that, I'm like, oh, crap. Okay, so then you're going to take the lead in these workshops. Because, like, 
you're one class away from a Spanish minor. Like you think, a, yeah. Right? Uh, we get to El Salvador. The guy has the worst Spanish you can imagine. <laughs> like, you know, if, if he needs, you know, like, like, like the, the, Donde está el baño, right? right like, right. like day one of Spanish class. Yeah. His Spanish would be like, uh, 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 uh baño. Um, oh, uh, 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 it was like, oh man, come on. Doesn't say much about Fiat College, right? <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Demand a refund. Yeah, for real. Uh, That's funny. But anyway, so so he'll full on type English into Google Translate, yeah. hit translate, and then copy and paste that the Spanish hilarious. in. So if Seed Center sounds a little strange in, in the Spanish Telegram group, it's Google. It's Google. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other places to go? No, that's it. Um, that's great. Uh, what yeah. about uh, supporting the project uh, when it comes to contributing? Yeah, so on the website, there's a, a donate link. Yeah. Um, and organizations like the Human Rights Foundation have given us grants in the past. Yeah. Uh, we've talked with groups like OpenSats. Um, they haven't donated yet, <laughs> but I think yeah. very likely someday, soon-ish, yeah. Odell... Now that, it'll, hey, it'll be coming. Five percent um, of the splits for the show always go to open set, so hey, we're gonna go. have to start getting that out. <laughs> Not in. We gotta go out now. <laughs> yeah, we need value for value that pays for value. That pays for hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's but super yeah, cool. Donations are great, um, but just really, even more than that, just you know, get your hands on a seed signer, even if you like. People go to meetups and yeah. they'll bring their seed signer and, and do like workshops at, at a meetup. Yeah. Get a seed signer, learn how it works, play with it, tell other people people about it. And when we can manufacture these uh, custom boards at a good price and at massive scale, yeah, then go out and buy one. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome conversation filled with a ton of value for y'all. I appreciate you, good sir. Valley for Valley is where you find this podcasting 2.0 apps. That's how we keep the lights on on the show. Fountain and Breeze seems to be our favorite, but there's over 30 of them. So go check out your favorite one and feel free to stream some sats to the show. If you want this 4K content, Bitcoin TV, that's the place we go. We want to make sure we're teeing up Bitcoin media at its finest. And those are the places you can find this. If you haven't made your way over to the Bitcoin standard of media consumption, what's wrong with y'all? Y'all need to catch up. But you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify, all those other places. Tickle the algorithm, rate, share, subscribe, those things that those weird algorithms like. And that's going to help us float up to the top so we can finally get more of y'all over to the Bitcoin standard of media. Appreciate y'all as always. I'll see you next week. Take care.